Welcome to this week's episode of Devil's Trap Podcast. We're going to talk about season two, episode 12, shifters being shifty, sex magic and opulence, Ronald's murder alien wall. And when you go back to the office post-pandemic, will your ceilings be full of bodies? Let's do this. Welcome to this week's episode of Devil's Trap Podcast. I'm Diana. I'm Liz. And this week we're talking season two, episode 12, Night Shifter. It seems like an 80s song. It does sound like, a, like a nice, an 80s song for sure. I can't or like yeah. an 80, or an 80s TV show. Like, you know, like Knight Rider, the sequel. It's Night yeah. Shifter. <laughs> and he's got a car and he has to shift it because it's a, sorry, that's a terrible joke. And I'll stop <laughs> now. <laughs> Uh, uh, how is your how is your week how are things good just uh staying busy had some uh enjoyed um some good pool time in our crazy hot texas summer weekend and uh saw some badass lowriders on jefferson boulevard and oak cliff on sunday night there was a cruise after a big um lowrider car show and so uh it was pretty wild it was good times so, though for sure wild so wild so wild it was ah, it was cool. cool it was cool it's like a mile stretch a mile stretch of road took uh like 30 minutes each way to go because it was like so many people cruising if you were not intending to go watch a low rider cruise it was probably quite irritating car down i just need to get to the store <laughs> why are there doors opened straight up like that yeah um yeah, and a couple of people I know actually were at a, a movie at um, Texas Theater, which is a, a, actually where they arrested uh, Lee Harvey, um, but it's on uh, Jefferson Boulevard, and there's, it's, an, it's an, like an art house movie theater, and people were like, just randomly seeing a movie, and you get out, and you're like, what the fuck happened before, between the time I went in and out? But an exciting news I also did observe while I was there, that while we all know 90s fashion is kind of on the rise, uh, again, it's pretty popular. Like you see a lot of '90s inspired stuff uh, that also applies to cholo and chola lifestyle, culture, fashion. And I was quite pleased to see that. I'm happy too. Hopefully, return of the sharpie eyebrow. We all need a good sharpie eyebrow. I didn't see sharpie eyebrows, but there was definitely like the high waist, low um, wide leg pants with some kicking some Nike Cortez on, and like, yeah, it was. It was it's pretty sweet. All right. I, I'm a fan of that style. So yeah, I'm just like, good look, it's a great it, look. I think it is. It's classic. It's timeless. Yeah. I mean, everybody loves a good wife beater or whatever. Like, I'm sure we're not supposed to say that anymore. Whatever. It's, a, it's an A shirt, Liz. It's, an, it's a an A shirt. Ribbed A shirt, I think is what it's called. That sounds like a condom. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah, so I did absolutely nothing all weekend because I have so much to do that I've just overwhelmed myself to the point where I can't like focus on anything. Uh, yeah, I've got like 
like, I don't know, I've got research into crazy cyber shit I have to do in like a week and like so many like work shit, like work is just killing me. And I'm trying to get to my Vegas trip and next week to go to Hacker Summer Camp, which is like everybody's all up in arms now because of all the new changing virus shit and blah yeah it's all very stressful so instead i just did nothing i was like i i i can't i i I'm just nope no, no, the, the stress <laughs> shutdown is real man i've been there where you're like i've got i've got all of these things to do i cannot bring myself to do any of them so i'm going to do none no i did today though as diana knows because i told her uh you know, shocking uh that i had uh in my my first uh dermatology skin check to make sure that my absolute terrible heritage is not giving me skin cancer yet um and the doctor was like sunscreen i'm like yeah of course he's like look at me he's like you don't wear sunscreen i'm like fuck off <laughs> how do you know and i'm like i wear sunscreen on my face like yeah. i always like but you know and I'm like, I put sunscreen on my tattoos, the important thing. But yeah. so I saved this. I did not, I, I wanted to tell you this earlier today, but I was saving it because I was like, this oh, is man. this is just too good. So I'm leaving the parking lot. And while I'm leaving one, Diana is texting me videos of possums. Oh wait, that yes. came later. But I was like, I can't watch the <laughs> possum video while I drive. But I did get a text message from my father that said, and this came in at 1045 this morning. And I'm just going to read it word for word. Just making sure you didn't call me from jail. Had call from some county jail inmate. Call cut off at end. So don't know who, not your brother. So there's many things that come out of that like dad did not sound upset he did not sound surprised he was just like are you in jail and the the, the better part is that he checked with my brother first and like have we evolved in like our standing in this family that i am now least likely the one to end up in county apparently so apparently like, so i i am now like i get my dermatology skin checks once like, a year i'm being responsible and getting like going to doctor's appointments just for getting checkups damn it and preventative not- i'm getting preventative care and no i'm not in uh, not in county dad um cool and i was just like <laughs> Nope. And he was like, okay. So, so then I'm wondering about the poor person who's in County who called the wrong number and is probably sitting there like, did they like realize when it, once it got to the voicemail, that's why the, but it let it go to, I'm assuming after watching a thousand crime shows, hi, this is the collect call from the Bear County Corrections Office, you know, like something exactly like that. And I also want to be like, dad, I'm not calling you if I'm in jail. Like, I'm just not. Although, like, the one time that I went to the Dallas drug tank, like, the only phone number I knew by heart was my parents' house number. And I'm like, nope, sitting in jail. Like, not calling a goddamn person. I will just sit here until tomorrow. Damn. But that's something you don't think about, like, you're in jail. Phone they take, you memorized. Yeah, they take your phone. And you're like, I don't know. They also take the laces to your shoes and a corset. If you, But I was not wearing the corset this time, surprisingly. There was another woman in the drink tank, and they, they took all the laces out of her corset top. And so the, cor- the corset kept, like, falling down, like, while she's in there. And it was, and it's also really cold. And if you've ever been in a drink tank, it's real cold. I don't know why they keep it, like, I guess it's, 
good that they have air conditioning since half of like prisons and jails and in the in the United States don't. So I really can't. But like, there's nothing worse than like I'm trying like, they, to. They don't want to smell it being hot. Probably they're just like these bitches like in the drug tank or uh, yeah. But there was also only like two other people in there. It was very very big. I don't know. Uh, speaking of drunk takes, uh, what are you drinking? <laughs> uh, I'm drinking White Haven, which is my go-to affordable, easy, soft. Your Costco like. jug one? Uh, it is better than my Costco branded. They actually, it's a pretty nice one, though they do sometimes have it at Costco for sale. <laughs> I'm a, this I'm a fan. Is it's one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah, so this is and mostly I'm just because I forgot. Mostly because I forgot to put my good stuff in the fridge. Yeah. I'm very excited. Okay, you guys who are watching the audio, listening to the audio, you're going to be able to see this, but we'll post a picture. Boom! She got it! Oh, shit, it's the Brothers Bond. I am drinking Brothers Bond straight bourbon whiskey, and why do I have this bourbon, Diana? Because it is the product of our favorite vampire brothers. Oh, Vladdy. Yeah, I, I knew I was going to work Vladdy into this podcast somehow. I learned that term this week and I'm very excited about it. But yes, uh, Ian and Paul, who are also known as the Salvatore brothers in the Vampire Diaries, have much like our brothers from Supernatural, have also gone, well, I guess they didn't go in together, but. but <clears throat> gone into yeah. the booze business. Yeah, Ian and Paul, like bourbon apparently bonded them together and it's made in Texas, right? Yeah, well, the I don't know if it's made in Texas, but the company is based in Dallas. Yeah, the company is based in Dallas. I think the bourbon's made somewhere else. It probably says on here. Um, I know I read like a bunch of articles on it and I can't remember, but it's fairly good. I'm drinking a bourbon mule because if I'm drinking a straight bourbon on the on this podcast, like <laughs> a, not a great idea. Well, it I mean, would be a great idea. Yeah, and so that's exciting. Yeah, well, I went, okay, one, after going to get my adult health check, then I went to a liquor store at 11 o'clock in the morning and yeah. went in there with the sole purpose of looking for this. And I, I seen on their website that they had it there. Walk right in and there's a giant fucking display of it right oh. by the cash register. And I was like, score. And just like picked it up. I'm like, thank you. That went straight in the basket. And then I went and bought wine too. Thank I you was for there. my hot vampire bourbon. Yeah, and I really kind of wanted to have the conversation, but I also like had to get, I had to go back and go to work. <laughs> but I was just like, do you know why this is cool? But I'm like, okay, I'm just going to keep that to myself and, and get out of here. That's funny. And I also found these, this two, I bought two bottles of wine because they had Lilith and Asmodeus on the label. So I was like, yeah, demon wine, getting the demon wine. And I was, I was torn. Vampire bourbon and demon wine. You're just on a roll. That's how we party. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was my day. (laughs) And I went and picked up my prescription. So it was like, Hey, go, go do your adult report card thing. Go buy bourbon at 11 o'clock in the morning and then go go to Walgreens. And then you didn't open at 11 o'clock in the morning. Sure. 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 You tasted it. You definitely did. As soon as you got hungry. No, I didn't. I just, I opened it before. Oh, well, all right. Ready yeah, to talk so about Night Shifter? It was certainly. So, I was also, I have trouble saying Shifter. My dumb, I have a really dumb reason. Night, do you want to say Night Shifter? No, actually. So when I played roller derby once upon a time, my team uh, was the Suicide oh. Shifters. So every time I say Shifter, or like we in like our little 
somebody was trying to make fun of us and they said eat shifter and so we take that on as like our little like motto is like eat shifter and so every time i say shifter it's all i can think about is roller derby so you can't insult us we'll just take your insults and turn them into a t-shirt i mean we, I mean, we always lost. So we, it was like an ongoing joke. We were just really loud and ridiculous about it. But yeah, we didn't win much. Uh, but yeah, so each shifter was our thing. So night shifter. I'm like, shifters. Okay, shifters. Is roller derby really about winning? I thought it was just about getting a cute name and then beating and running, skating around and beating up people. Well, it depends. When I was still playing, it was about what you described. <laughs> when it got really serious, it was also just a bad time for me personally. I didn't have time to commit to it anymore, but that's when it was getting a lot more serious of a sport, which is great. They're phenomenal athletes that play that sport and they're very tough and fast and coordinated and take sports really, really seriously. And I am not that person. And so it was a good time that I departed because I, I wanted to wear cute shit and have my fun name and all that. So, you know. Right. And you still have that. So you've got you've got pictures of when you were in your prime and looked amazing not that you don't look amazing now but uh, yeah it's like when you look back and you're like man i didn't appreciate that shit when i looked like that <laughs> i'm like why did i think that was such a large size oh my god like oh my god i, I remember when i fit into those jeans i wish i was as skinny as i was when i first thought i wasn't wasn't skinny like, <laughs> like well, that'd be fucking rad um, but yeah, that, that yeah. sounds like so, something so, that goes on a rosé koozie, right? <laughs> oh. Susan, so. yeah, okay, so all right, all right. So done, night, done. night shifter. Night shifter. All, right, all right, so this is season two, episode 12. This first aired on January 25th, 2007. It was directed by our favorite nudie suit wearing Phil Scritchia and was written by Ben Edlund. Uh, so people we've had before, uh. Overall, I just don't like this episode. I don't think it's that exciting. Uh, it's got some good parts in it, but it's one that I think I'm interested to get your opinion because I think when you see this one the first time, it's probably a lot better than when you watch it again. Like when you watch it again, I'm like, this is, isn't that exciting. But there is a really fun video uh, that's still available on YouTube that shows how they did the CGI for all the helicopter shots and everything. Oh, yeah, because so, on one of them I was like, was that super duper CGI? And then another, then I looked at it again, I'm like, actually, it was pretty good. So, well, so, and you can learn about it in the video. And then also, obviously, in, you know, the companion books and the other places. Um, but, so the vault is an actual vault that is part of the Victorian Bank in Vancouver. So they did let them film in the vault, but, you know, budget-wise, did not have the money to have a helicopter come, you know, screaming in. I know, but I really liked watching the CGI on it. I thought it was really interesting just how, you know... I always wonder, it was like, well, how, how did they do this? And they, you know, basically talked to you know, how they got, you know, all the, the digital photographs at first and then went through and matched it. And so just Hollywood magic that I thought was interesting. So we'll post the link. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're in, uh, we're in Milwaukee. It's where this whole episode takes place. Um, and episode kicks off with like a newscast. Um, and it's a bank robbery slash standoff with hostages. And we see one person being released from the bank and the person releasing them this this hostage is of course dean so you're like well what the fuck this is all you know we're gonna we're, we're, gonna, gonna, do happen? we're gonna do a time jumpy episode um so it does a so at least that's how the episode kicks off and then we get the one day ago okay at least it was just one day right I know. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um and i'll tell how i feel about this episode later I, 
let's put it this way. I watched it like a day or two ago and I had to really think hard this earlier today to remember what this episode was. Yeah, exactly. Yep. It's it's not good. I mean, it's not bad. And no, which really like, I'm not like I'm not like ugh, I'm not like irritated with it. Like there's episodes I've been annoyed with or whatever. I still love the show. But it, but it was like it didn't like I, I was like, which one was it? I was like, was it we already did the dolls one? Like that one stuck, you know what I mean? With like the creep, you know, that all, that stuck with me. Whereas this one, I was just like, oh. Uh, well, I mean, and there's and we'll get into this as we go through, but I mean Except there I are really like one character and we'll talk about that. There's some good characters in like it's overall, I mean, and there's a lot of people of on the production crew who thought this was one of their favorite episodes of the season. And that was because of they get to do a cool heist, right? And well, yeah. you know, which is fine, but we're also doing body doubles again. We've already done that. It's I don't really like shell games. And we they obviously even call that out in it, but trying to like who's the bad guy? How do we pick yeah. out who the bad guy is? And we've done that before. We did that in the first episode the first version where you know we got to see sexy dean shedding his skin like in a very disturbing way that was somehow erotic i don't know how it was a song the song made it erotic i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave that alone not touching you're like you're like okay let's stop all right um yeah so we're at a jewelry store so the jewelry store, Dean's pretend, Dean and um, Sam are pretending to be FBI agents, and they're asking questions of the, Sam's talking to the manager. Obviously, Dean's talking to the semi-cute chick selling jewelry. She's cute. I'm just if there's a, a somewhat attractive female, of course, Dean's talking to them, uh, and he's flirting real gross. Um, but basically, there's the 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 long of the short of it is that an employee, a longtime employee that everybody trusted and liked, showed up killed the security guard, stole a bunch of shit, and then went home and killed themselves by dropping a hairdryer in the bathtub. Very upsetting way to go. Um, yeah, I don't think that the preferred method is suicide. No. no. And I don't want to look at those stats. No, but... not either. Your stats, your stats and your search history are fucked up enough. Don't add that to it. Um, <laughs> like I was just saying. But, uh, but yeah, so it was just really bizarre. So it's... Um, so that's that's the story and that's what they're kind of trying to investigate because you can tell they're like well that's not you know this is not normal behavior basically um and um and of course the police took the surveillance footage so the guys can't see it and yeah um so the has never even seen it and of course the the, the girl is working the counter that dean's flirting with wants to be interviewed in private and he calls yeah, her diana's because, making, diana's making he, the best face and he called her patriot for that Anyways, um, I need to bring back the douche Dean douche meter on this episode. Also, like there is, there is something, and I think it's really interesting. If if I was so inclined, and I'm not, um, but to do a stat based by writer on how douchey like Dean is, like, Mm. and is it when there's a man writing that he becomes dirtier, and when there's a female writer, he's less douchey? Because I think that seems to be the pattern. Interesting. Yeah, I think the women are like, we're over this. This is not attractive. We don't. We don't like that. Not, not I think granted also if if Dean was an F, if an actual FBI agent who looked like him was in my jewelry store, I would be like, yes, 
here is my phone number. Here like, call me like, if you have any further me. questions, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, are you just are you in town for this? Are you is your is your agency based here? Do you have no field office? What's going? Which do you did you get dinner? Are you on a government comp? Like, do you need do to you know have, the best coffee here? I can when you're yeah. on the corner. Yeah, whatever. I got yeah. you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't blame that chick at all. So, all right. So Dean gets yeah. a girl's numbers, and we're gonna go to another house. Yeah. So apparently the guys are talking and basically the, the bank in town had pretty much the same exact thing happen. Only the security guard wasn't killed. He was just like left unconscious. Maimed. So, huh? Was he maimed? Yes. So <laughs> he, um, they're going to go, they're at the guy's house and they, uh, and it was the same thing, a teller that's worked there a long time that everybody knew, um, knocked him out and stole a bunch of shit. So they go up to the house and like, uh, there's this bright ass security light. So, you know, this fucker is super paranoid um, and insists on seeing their badges at the door. His name's uh, Ronald Relnick. And uh, he seems really, really surprised. They're playing the FBI agents. So he seems really surprised that they actually want to know what he has to say. So I'm like, oh shit, he said something crazy. This is good. Um, that's one thing, you know. So they get into the house and the first thing you see when you get into his house is conspiracy wall. Full on yeah, conspiracy it, uh- wall. I called it a murder alien wall. Well, yeah, see, I would have said murder wall because I know you call it a murder wall, but there's a lot of aliens. So it's a little yeah. less murdery and a little bit more alien-y. It's like, an alien does he ta- Is he a bl- big Blink-182 fan is what I want to know next, but that's a different conversation for a different day if you want to talk about it. I still, yeah, I still haven't watched that Roswell documentary. I'm an editor, but I'm aware of it. So, um, and basically he insists that the person who robbed the bank wasn't the his friend who was a teller there. Um, but it was like either his, like, it was something else, like a replica. He had already tied it to the heist that happened at the jewelry store with the same MO too. And his theory is that they're Chinese cyber soldiers like Terminator and he calls them mandroids. <laughs> I do love, I do love the term mandroid. Uh, like I, I want to call all, like all AI dolls from now on. Mandroids. They're just mandroids. They're just mandroids. Oh, and, but the cool thing is, is that he took a copy of the security tape. And so he has that to uh, share with them and shows that his friend has laser eyes. Laser eyes. Pew, 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 pew. When really it's just the super duper reflection that shifter's eyes get when film. Uh, and we know what that means. And Sam and Dean knows what it means. Ronald does not poor, know what it Ronald means. Ronald doesn't know what that means. <laughs> poor, poor Ronald. I mean, your, your life is just pretty much going to suck if your parents named you Ronald. Isn't that right, Mr. Weasley? Aww. But yeah, so, but he's actually like, other than his being like totally off base on the Mandroid thing, he's actually done like some solid research, like Sam and Dean style research where he's like gotten the map, figured out like the the path that they're taking, figured out like what's going to be hit next. Like he's fucking on it and he's like ready to help out whatever. And do, he wants to go after this thing because it took his friend and Sam, like he's like, he's going to level with him to tell you the truth. And you're like, oh shit, all right, they're gonna get Ronald's help. Good shit here. And then Sam, of all people, is the one who tells him that, no, you're wrong. This is not what's going on. And there's nothing inhuman or evil about it. And um, and that the eyes are just camera flares. And so Ronald kicks them out. Yeah, and there's no such thing as mandroids. And yeah, I mean, it's Sam's attitude during this whole this whole episode. He's got a weird attitude. Mm-hmm. Like he's just. I don't know. There's something off, and I know there's a lot of back things, and maybe they're trying to build that into his character, but he's struggling with his demon blood or whatever. But uh, uh, 
it's not likable. It's just not no. likable. And usually like, Sam is the more empathetic one. And his whole thing is he's like, anyway, so Ronald kicks them out, but they get a couple of Don't tape, be but, mean to Ronald. Like, yeah, like, I just, I feel bad for just, Ronald. Like, yeah, like, and like, out of all the people, now Dean's the one that feels empathetic and feels bad for Ronald. And Sam's like, whatever, I'm protecting him by doing this. And just going to say, totally obvious to everybody, probably at this point, that something bad's going to happen to Ronald <laughs> because he doesn't know what's going on. Oh, also, I just realized that one of my favorite uncles is named Ronald, and so that is in no way a detriment to you. Your life is not shitty. Um, you've done very well with that name, Uncle Ronnie. But we call him Ronnie, so Uncle Ronnie, this is to you. You're one of my favorite uncles. So we get to their hotel room where they're having this conversation, which, by the way, is pretty badass. It is like, a glorious, glorious room. Oh my room. God. The, like Schultz beer signs, pictures of longhorns, like it's fucking yeah and you know so and for those of you who do not know milwaukee wisconsin is very famous for their beer is also where they made slits Mm -hmm. which is why there is schultz beer everywhere um the set decoration came from i don't know if it was the writer or some there is somebody on the on the crew i think it was a writer um was from Milwaukee. So this was a lot of their personal stuff was in there. I love when they do this. Um, and I just, I just, a picture that they just have this one like motel room that they just redress, like, redress oh. and they're just like, this time, Schultz, make it like how, like someone had to go in and manufacture all those Schultz lights and like, but then I'm like, where did oh, they go? Oh. I want the like, oh man. Oh. So if someone goes on eBay and finds those for me to send me the link, I'm not going to search for them, but I would buy them if, if they existed in some gave them to me I, I would i would buy those uh, oh. yeah so i was just like that's i went off about the motel for like an hour and i'm like okay you're good it was amazing at motel basically though this whole thing this whole scene is just that the conversation is dean thinks that they should have thrown ronald a bone since he did good legwork and um other than being other than the mandroid theory was kind of on the right path and that dean kind of likes him sam wants to protect him and that's what he's trying to do by keeping him in the dark which by the way is what he got mad at everybody for doing to him is keeping him in the dark to protect him but whatever um so they were like okay the same type of shifter that we had in st louis and um they used the map basically that they the concept of map that they had gotten from ronald with the sewer line to figure out what's going to hit next and of course there's another bank target so they go to the bank and pretend to be security guards and they're like we're just gonna yeah we should go check out your security system which is bizarre that somebody was so like open to letting them go check out the yeah sure you guys we've never seen before yeah just go yeah. hang out and watch our yeah security you've coding. got a, you've got a jumpsuit on clearly that gives sure. you access to the security systems of our bank and i will just leave you in here by yourself you yeah. deserve what you get bank I'm just yeah. So and then and then Dean's like creepily zooming in on a teller's ass. Yeah. No. No. Douche me to. Yeah. So and then they see um they do see one of the employees does have the laser eyes so Sam's about to go after him but just then our friend Ronald has shown up at the bank because he's figured it out too and except he doesn't have a good plan so he changes the doors to the bank shut um and uh runs into the main lobby and starts shooting his uh looks like an ar into the ceiling yeah and... i think it was an ar and the comment was like ronald has an ar just like every other nerdy white guy don't, don't get me wrong like in government to me list, i may have one myself but you know i mean i'm not saying i Maybe. do i'm not saying i don't yeah. um but you know nerdy white guy with an ar yeah it works 
Yeah. So, yeah. and then says, but he yells, this is not a robbery, which, kind of, <laughs> which I'm kind of amused by. I'm not going to lie. It was funny. And then, um, and then we find out as Sam and Dean are going to figure out how to handle this. Uh, Dean says to Sam, you said we shouldn't bring guns. My response is you always bring guns. <laughs> so dumb. Anyways. And plus they're like dressed as like security guys. They could have totally gotten away with putting those either hiding it inside their jumpsuits or wearing it openly on it at their security. Is guys. it like, uh, like, is the bank going to pat you down? Like, is there a, you know, a no, metal detector? They're supposed, like, they're supposed to be security. Like, oh my God. Well, I, there's, I think they were tech people. They were, you yeah, know, so. tech people, but still like put a, conceal your goddamn weapon and go inside. Like, so Ronald points a gun at them and tells them to get on the ground. He's mad because obviously he recognizes them and says maybe they work for the men in black or the mandroids, which is pretty funny. But um, Sam tries to talk to him and he says, you shut up. I don't like you. <laughs> Sam what? says, fair enough. Well, because Dean had also said before, like, I'm going to talk to him. He doesn't seem to like you. And so, but yes, it was a great line. Like, I don't like you. <laughs> it's like, all right. Yeah. I so, love Ronald so much. I do too. I like poor Ronald. He's like not built for this, but he's like very likable. Anyways, as he as he holds up a bank, he's very likable. Um, anyways, so he has so Ronald gets one of the bankers, that's one of the hostages, to frisk Sam and Dean for weapons. And of course, Dean does have a tiny blade, but it gets taken away. So it also seems like a very uncomfortable place to put a, the wave is like right up against the back. I'm like, do your ankles not bend? Like you would not be able to hold that blade in your boot that way. Like on a low boot like that. Are you kidding me? No way. No, no. Foul. You would stab Don't yourself it. in the ankle every step. That's how I'm just like, you would cut your Achilles tendon. Like, oh, oh, oh uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Oh no. That's like, ugh. All right. So Dean just tries to talk to him at this point and says, like, look, we believe you. I want you to come closer. I'm going to tell you what's up. And then he tells him he actually instead I was like, oh, fuck, he's going to do something dumb and try to fight Ronald. But he doesn't. He actually tells Ronald that, hey, look, we know that it's the bank manager. They saw the eyes. They need to catch him before he changes again. So that's when Ronald agrees to send everybody to the vault. And Dean is going to go with him to to try to figure this out. And. We're at this point, police are already outside, but I don't think anybody inside realizes this. It's just that they're just kind of going about their business, which is also dumb. Another strike on the on the Winchester bros for not figuring that out. Anyways, um, and then that's when this teller, Shelly, Shelly, or Sherry, excuse me, Sherry starts fawning over Dean to Sam. It's kind of gross and awkward. Uh, and then, um, so Ronald and Dean wandering around and, uh, <laughs> looking for the manager and Ronald slips in shapeshifter goo, as I call it. Um, I called it a skin suit. It was also followed by gross. Yeah, it's gross. And so that's when Dean explains, look, it's not really a mandroid, but it's kind of like a humanist shapeshifter thingy. He's really excited though, because at least Dean does find a silver, an actual silver letter opener and explains that like that this works. How do you know that it's silver? Uh, depending, most if it's sterling, it's going to be stamped with nine two five. That's what. Ooh, look at Diana dropping some fucking knowledge. What? It's amazing <laughs> what your teenage jobs will uh, teach you. <laughs> One of my jobs was working at a jewelry kiosk at the mall, and we sold primarily sterling silver rings and necklaces, and they were all stamped with nine two five, which has to do with the metal. It's the metal code and like balance. Like there's other there's other numbers for silver. But the most common it's the blend of 
metals with nick there's a little bit of nickel and sterling anyway so yeah look at you go i'm so impressed with that <laughs> so 925 is the code for sterling and so i bet it had that in it which i don't know if sterling is good enough for this but like because it's different than like silver silver but i'm sure it's good enough um so we this is where we get a really cool scene of the helicopters you're talking about the cgi on it right at this point and that's where you can see now that the building is basically surrounded by helicopters, cops, SWAT teams pulling up, snipers in the building next door, and fucking news crews. And then you see, um, like, you can tell it's going to be like the sergeant, the main cop on the scene, his plain clothes pulls up and he tells them to hit the power. So we know the power is going to get shut down to the bank at this point. <clears throat> um, Ronald's like super fucking excited, by the way, that he was <laughs> mostly right about his, other than the mandroid thing, knowing that it was not his actual friend like some facsimile of it he is fucking on it he's and i get i mean like also you he definitely felt like he was losing his mind like he was losing everybody around him like he every thought he was fucking bonkers and didn't believe him i mean arguably i mean like who would but he was he's fucking happy which is kind of cool yeah. no but, i i think it's like, i love his joy the joy yeah. that he, but also it's like the joy and the i'm his right dance like yeah. you just want to like there are sometimes when you think something's crazy and you just want to he needed that validation and he got the validation while he's, you know, holding up a bank with a, an AR and two guys he doesn't know. So it's kind of a, uh, like, oh, it's kind of a bizarre, dark uh, version of a celebration, but, you know, cheers to him still for getting a little bit of validation. Yeah. Um, so we cut back to the vault where this fucking Sherry chick is still like, just fucking Sherry, man. About like, that's the only word I could use. was like, I was like, oh, she's being like, I was like, I forgot I used a couple words in my notes. And I was like, ugh. And then I was like, gushing is the only word I could use. Which then also took gross connotations in my head. And I was just very upset. And I didn't know how else to describe it. So that's fine. But <clears throat> how wonderful and brave Dean must be. So he shows up. Dean shows up at the vault. And now he's got a revolver uh, also. And he pulls Sam out. It was a handgun. Was it? I thought it was a revolver. Okay. No, it was a semi. But um, where did he get that? They never say, and I was, that's why I pointed it out. I'm like, where the fuck did this come from? So in my head, actually, when they first opened the door and he had the pistol in his hand, I was like, mm, it's fake Dean, fake Dean. Shifter had a gun, it's fake Dean. But it wasn't, it was just, they failed to tell us where the gun came from. Um, so. Which I'm sure that was, that sure was the cut employees scene. don't have guns laying around. So well, that's maybe Ronald brought more weapons with him. You know, like the, the cra crazy white guys like always have more than one weapon with them. I don't see Ronald do being that. that guy. I think Ronald just had the AR, but you never know. Yeah. So um, Sam's kind of like kind of freaking out about everything at this point, but Dean's kind of chill about it all. Uh, he just needs to like, we just need to figure out who the shifter is. That's, it. That's all it is. Uh, but Ronald is not good at this whole thing um, at all. Uh, they're... Sam's really worried about how they're going to get out because they all realize that the place is surrounded by cops. The cops call, want to know what demands are. Um, and it's, and Ronald's like, oh no, I don't have demands. I'm like, all right, this guy sucks. This, he put the fucking phone down. They're telling him to put the phone down. He doesn't put the fucking phone down. I, I do, like Sam, yes, I would be on your side for this. Just, just, just put the phone down, Ronald. Ronald, just, just, just hang up. Phone. And so, but Sam's really worried because he's like, look, the place is surrounded. Even if we solve this, how do we get out of here? Because Dean 
in case anybody's forgotten, is still fucking wanted. And now he's just been seen on, or not yet, we'll get there when he gets seen on TV. We already know he gets seen on TV. But he's wanted because um, from St. Louis and Baltimore and all that. So we know that they're like, his face is known by law enforcement. And like, Sam just doesn't really see a way out but dean's like look i don't want ronald and both all of us getting arrested and the shifter escaping we have to just see this through we will figure it the fuck out um it so, seems sensible i mean like i mean i also agree like yeah Ronald you're doesn't deserve to get arrested for this we don't want to get arrested for this let's fucking get this figured out but we don't need the shifter out there running around either yep so um then the guard starts having a heart attack <sighs> yeah 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 so, and, De- and Dean's very lucky as he's just poking through that ceiling, you know, just oh randomly. P- poking through ceiling tiles and like, oh, surprise, there's a body in this one. I mean, you, I, I think they could at least have like blood dripping or something that would oh, be like. Just, it was just a very slightly dislodged ceiling tile. Very oh, slightly. I noticed I that. But it also creeps me out when I think about the number of office buildings that I have worked at and that I go in. I'm like, oh. How many of those ceiling tiles like have dead bodies on Honestly, those things are not that strong. So unless the body was placed very carefully all across the framing of it, it probably wouldn't hold a body very long, especially if there was dampness. Because I know like <laughs> random knowledge, here we go. So a lot of those are like the, the heavy duty ones um, some people use are like actually drywall. So you gotta think about a piece of drywall holding a body up. That's just not, depending on the weight of the body is kind of iffy and then but most of those are the ceiling tiles those acoustic tiles are actually not as dense even as the like an acoustic tile it's not gonna be as dense even as drywall so that's very interesting what is also interesting is somehow uh your timing got screwed up so while you're talking (laughs) to me you look very much like i'm watching a kung fu movie that's dubbed So that's very exciting. <laughs> I think I think we're back on track now, but that okay. was quite well, an interesting thing to watch. Well, <laughs> either way, that's your that's your thing. I don't think that a body could stay up there for an extended period of time. I think it would weigh through pretty pretty quickly. I don't so I don't think that a bunch of offices you've been in are have ceilings full of bodies, if that's your concern. I mean, think of Unless all it like comforts the, you to think that. I don't know. Like maybe, maybe. if you're like, I want. Well, think of all like the buildings that are opening back up that have been shut down. Like, oh man, I, I know one of our offices in uh, Maryland is back open, and I'm like, oh, like someone was just hiding bodies in there, like all through the COVID times. That's just what they did. They're just dropping bodies and ceilings. And as we all go back in, this is this is a world we're gonna have to go back to, folks. Just bodies and office ceilings buildings. Ceilings full of bodies. Ceilings full of bodies. Oh, uh, yeah. So they figure out. So now Dean knows that the the shifter is currently one of the people that's in the vault. So he wants to go back in and get that guy. And they try to get him to come out. They have to like kind of coax him to come out. He doesn't really want to. And finally he does. And then of course he attacks them and runs. And Ronald goes to shoot him, but he hesitates because Ronald's not a bad guy. And Sam sees the laser pointer on Ronald's back, and it all the show goes silent, but. Um, you see that he's yelling, and then you just see um, Ronald get shot through the back. And he goes Which down. is so it's very sad. Also made funny because I watched the, the red dot go, and I'm like, oh, look, there's my cat or Diana's dog chasing the red dot. 
Yeah, yeah. That's true. And I was that's like, true. it's not it's not a cat going through the laser pointer though. It's somebody killing Ronald. Yeah. Ronald. Poor, Poor Ronald. Ronald. So um yeah, pretty Poor upset. Poor one out and, for you, man. And he's down. And um you can tell Dean though now is kind of freaking out because like Dean's like, it's fine. We're just going to solve this and we'll figure out how to get out of here. Like he was just kind of like eye on the prize, eye on the mission, not really like freaking out about this. And now it's like really, really, really life or death. And I, um, and, and I know that, you know, Sam's really the one that's obsessing about saving people and not letting people die on his watch. But Dean obviously has that issue too and really doesn't want, like he, he had a soft spot for Ronald. We knew that earlier on. And he was like pretty stoked that Ronald had figured stuff out. And even if he was misguided in his attempt to figure this out, Ronald did figure it out without them and was there too and wanted to solve this and get rid of the shifter, whatever, even though he, even though he thought it was a stupid fucking mandroid. And he finally found his joy and then they took it from him. Sad. So they're going to run off. Uh, Sam's going to go try to run and take care of the shifter. And this is something else that really annoyed me. Um, There's a bunch of, there's a a couple, but there's more than a couple uh, of jump scares that go through this that are just pointless jump scares. Like, I don't think, you know, like we're going to have the slow music as he opens up the broom closet. Like that was, and then have the, you know, the people behind him be the jump. And I'm like, yeah. it was just unnecessary. I just, I didn't like, yeah. Yeah. So the, this is what we, uh, the security guard that had the medical issue, they let him out. Um, Dean takes care of that. And, um, and this is proud of when Dean really realizes we are so screwed. So Ronald's dead. He sees the police presence out front as they release the security guard who was having the medical issue. And this is when I think it really sinks into Dean that they're kind of fucked in this building. So Sam finds more shifter goo and calls Dean. And um, so they're kind of just Why was Sam was putting his letter like opener in the shifter goo. Like why? Why why were you poking it? Don't poke the goo. Like just leave the goo alone. Like it seemed un- it was very unnecessary goo poking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, granted, I mean, if I had something, I mean, I would probably poke the goo, but not with the the, the only weapon I have. I mean, can you imagine like if you're trying to stab somebody with a letter opener and it's covered in goo and they just like slips by them? So many shenanigans will happen. Oh, so um, yeah. So basically, the FBI shows up to meet up with the cops. The cops are annoyed, you know, very like, oh, stereotypical. Oh, the feds are here. Wow, they're gonna take over our case. Wow, the whole thing. Anyways, that goes down outside. Um, yep. And they do make a very important line, though, as the FBI there. They go, "This is not your usual heist." There's a monster in that bank. There's yes, but I'm I'm focusing on the word heist. So oh, we're gonna talk about some heists. Oh. Uh, so it's time for some, I guess this is lore. I don't know. Lore. It's a thing. <laughs> it's it's a enough. time where Liz goes off and talks about shit. Um, so heist, because this was like, okay, we gotta do something here. We've talked about shapeshifters, we talked about skinwalkers. What are we gonna talk like what are we gonna talk about now? I'm like, oh, well, heist. And so I was looking up some of the world's most infamous heists. But fortunately for me, um, there is a new series on Netflix called Heist. And one of my friends had sent me the like the the tag tag or whatever for the first story, which basically is, is like sex magic and 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 robbery. And I was like, yes, 
this is mine. And so, of course, we're going to talk about some sex magic and some robbery and right. one of the greatest heists that was ever pulled. And All so right. we're going to go back to a time called the 90s. So, <laughs> so oh, so long ago. Uh, where the cholos were wearing their jeans that were all wide at the waist, and uh, I was skipping school. So it's October 1st, 1993, a Friday morning. An armored truck courier, Scott Stewart, and his partner jumped into the back of their Loomis armored truck loaded with weekend cash for the casino ATMs. Oh, we're in Las Vegas, by the way. So this is also another reason why I wanted to do this, and so I'm going to Vegas in a week. Um, so how much money was in the back of that truck? Well, there was approximately $3.1 million. So you've seen the armored trucks before. You know, they're large, and this is basically a large van. And it was filled from about a third of the way from the front of the vehicle all the way to the back. They pulled up to Circus Circus. Stewart and his partner picked up the first of the money bags and walked out of the truck into the casino. Their driver, Heather Tallchief's job, was to pick them up about 20 minutes later. According to Stewart, it was basically like a point A to point B type, where we would start at one ATM and just work our way through until we got to the last one. And at that last one was the exit where Heather was supposed to pick us up. Got to the end of the run and no truck, no truck, no Heather. They waited and they waited and then they're like, wait, this truck is gone. And Heather Tallchief and the armored van had vanished with $3 million in one of the largest armored vehicle heists in Las Vegas history. And that would be the last time anybody in America would see Heather Tallchief until 2005. So who was Heather? All right, so most of this information is going to come from a couple of sources, mainly uh, the Netflix high show, which an actress narrates her part but it's her words so basically like she said all the words and there's an actress there doing it um so i feel comfortable like when i'm quoting that you know it was, it was heather saying this um but also uh there she was this thing was like a very big story for a long time because they stole three million dollars and nobody found them uh so there's also she there's a couple of Dateline episodes on this. So the Netflix and Dateline are the main places, but there's some others, and of course we'll post the source. So Heather, Heather Tallchief, she was born in Buffalo, New York, in 1972 to parents who were still in high school. So dad knocks up mom in high school, and they decide what's the best thing to do? Let's get married. But that probably wasn't great, so they got divorced when she was three. Um, <laughs> Allegedly, he was abusive and addicted to drugs, although he did sober when she turned eight. Her stepmom, according to Heather, was very much a wicked stepmother and was just emotionally abusive, called her names, just so like all sorts of shit. So she was not happy. So her mom moves her to San Francisco in 1988. And all these early photos of her, she's a fucking punk rocker. Like you see, you see all these pictures of her. She is just like 90s full on punk and I love it. Um, in 1991, Heather began working as an AIDS hospice worker. Um, but this is also 1991 in the Castro district of San Francisco. So the AIDS mm -hmm. epidemic was pretty rampant. And so while she was working as a hospice worker, you know, at least 20 of her patients died and that was really bad in her psyche um she started getting into bad relationships and one of the other nurses introduced her to crack and after you know she started smoking the crack she lost her job uh, and at this point this is when she meets a man his name is roberto solis uh, she's 21 years old and he was calling himself julia suave 
or Julia oh. Suave. I don't know why I said Julius. Uh, it may have been Julia. I made a typo of that. Julian scenes, whatever. But his last name was Suave. That was one of the ones he, names he was going by. So Roberto was on parole after being convicted of murdering a security guard during a robbery in 1969. So it's three years before Hather was born. So does it give you an idea of the age difference? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he was uh, on parole and he was supposed to be have a life sentence, but he was a poet. And so he was publishing books of poetry while he was in prison. He had a poem published in the American Poetry Review. And when they came, he came up for parole, the people, fans of this poetry wrote letters of support to the board, citing his contribution as evidence that he was reformed. So in 1992, he was paroled. And Heather said, you know, I found him attractive as a man. I would never have accepted a beer from him if I didn't find him attractive, which is smart, you know, but also girls got to eat and girls got to drink. If the ugly man wants to buy you a beer, just let him buy you a beer. It's fine. Yeah. You don't have to talk to him. You just take the beer and you go away. That's how that works. Um, so they, you know, end up hooking up. When she goes home with him for the first time, she found there was an altar in his living room. There was a goat, a goat skull, candles, incense, and he had two chalices. Everyone loves a chalice. One chalice was full of red liquid and the other was white. And Roberto told Heather that the white liquid, thankfully, was goat's milk. <laughs> thank the God. <laughs> just thank the goddess. Okay, just Ooh, goat's milk. I was um, like, oh, where are we going with this? Okay. I don't know what the red was. Just it just said the red represented blood. And then Heather goes off that, you know, menstrual blood is the idea about women giving birth, life creation, and fertility. And the milk represented the milk that you need to raise and nurture this life. I am crossing my fingers. There was not menstrual blood in that chalice i mean i'm cool we all bleed but no um diana's face is just it's just just amazing it's just she's just like it's like no stop 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 saying that word okay so he also read her he read her he read her tarot cards and so one was fortune and the other was the temptress or the lust card this is Heather's words. This was like fate. I was supposed to embark on a spiritual path, an awakening, an enlightenment, enlightenment by somebody great and powerful and knowledgeable. So we can already see this dude like twisting here. Mm-hmm. It's like, here, these are your cards. Oh yeah, you you're gonna have a great spiritual leader who's gonna help you. And yeah. I'm gonna and I'm gonna help you. We're gonna talk, teach you about sex magic. Love sex magic. Um Heather's words, the spiritual and the physical combined and used to manifest ideas, wills, powers, energy, which is pretty much the basic premise of sex magic. You know, the idea is that while we're doing the bees of two backs, that we are generating a lot of energy and right. then you can harness that energy to do your will. So she would be invoking, invoking gods and goddesses and letting them take over her body. Um, after they'd been together for a few weeks, Roberto finally told him his real name and that, you know, nice. hey, you know, I had this horrible past, but I, I've changed now. It's all good. You know what we should do? We should go to Las Vegas. And while we're there, like we can, we can gamble, we can win lots of money, but you know, you should probably get a job. Uh, so they moved to Las Vegas and starting at this time, Heather begins acquiring fake identities. And so this is some... So, like I said, uh, most of the perspective of the story is coming from Heather. So there are some things in here that's like you you knew what you were doing, right? So 
even if you're manipulated, you, you knew yeah. because you know she started finding virgin passports that were being sold on the back of Soldier of Fortune, which oh. I didn't know you could do that. And then I don't know if you, I doubt you still can, but maybe, I don't know, kind of want to look. Um, so basically there was like, you know, defunct countries, like, especially this is like post uh, Cold War. So when all like the Soviet Union disbanded, there's all these things that places that weren't countries anymore and now they're not. So you could get fake passports for there. And then she would go to a small town and then get driving driver's licenses. So by 1993, she had licenses in 12 different names. So this makes me think, hey, Heather. Yeah. You, you knew what was going on. Also in the... Uh, in the Netflix documentary, but I didn't see this listed in a lot of other places. In the Netflix documentary, uh, they stole a bunch of money before they went. They had like 30 grand that they that Robert Roberto had like I forgot where who he robbed, but Ro Roberto robbed somebody and they had they had money for that. Uh, so they're in this, yeah. So while they're in Vegas, Robert's like, hey, here's this job application for a Loomis. I you know they're looking for new drivers for its fleet of armored vehicles. And wouldn't you know the reason that Roberto was in prison was because he tried to rob a Loomis armored vehicle in 1969 mm. and failed. And this is also like why this guy is a fucking piece of shit. So this is a story of him robbing that in 1969. He had accomplices. They approached the vehicle's driver, who was a father of six, told him to hand over the bag he was carrying. But the bag was empty. And he turned it inside out to show that, you know, hey, this is empty. And uh, so Lee shot the man in the back twice and killed him. So fuck you, Roberto. Like, you yeah, piece of shit. Good. Yeah, you, I don't care how much fucking poetry you write. No, your ass stays in jail. Dick. Anyways, yeah. all right. So back to 1993. Um, so one of the reasons Heather also said she got the job was because Loomis needed to hire more women. Um, all the coworkers, uh, her coworkers that were on that were like, yeah, she was basically hired because she was pretty and just got kind of got away with a bunch of shit because of that. They said, you know, she was just a terrible driver and couldn't remember her way around Vegas because she just moved there. But yeah. they're just like, they had like in the, in the doc, in the Netflix show, they show her like hitting, like, you know, hitting stuff as she's driving. I don't know if she was that bad, but. That seems extreme. I feel like there'd be a lot of insurance extreme. claims. That'd be a lot of, yeah, a yeah. lot of paperwork, a lot of paperwork. Yeah. So we go back to what we were talking about in the beginning. So this, when you have an ATM truck, right, for, for Loomis, it's a three-person team. So you have two people that are in the back, and they're, they're, there's a driver. So the driver is Heather. And so they would basically just drive to different ATMs and casinos in, in Vegas, and they would take out the old cash and put in the new cash, which is, I don't know if you've ever gotten money out of an ATM in Vegas, but it's generally really nice cash. Like, it's all, like... Just, it's just really it's nice crisp but it's not it's, so crisp that it sticks together it's just the good yeah. newer newer just, stuff yeah. it's not the it's not the tore up bills yeah it makes you feel real nice when you're throwing it away um so heather starts documenting her routes as they're going around and you know because roberto's asking her questions and basically determines there was one day that had the highest amount of payout and my favorite quote from Heather about why she did this was she said, I wanted opulent shit. And I'm like, all right, girl, don't, like, don't we all, don't we all. I, I don't blame you. I, I love some opulent shit. Uh, 
So they figured out that on this day where they have the, the most cash is going to be in the van when they go to Circus Circus because they have to basically it's a first stop on there and the, the guys have to walk in they go all the way through the casino and those of you who have been to Vegas know like how much of a mind fuck those casinos are and how easy it is to get lost. So those ATMs are everywhere around there. So they would basically she had 20 minutes in between. So Pretty much the guys get out and then she just drove off with <laughs> with with the armored vehicle. And they're like, la bye-bye. And so they clearly, you know, this is our this is meticulously planned out, but that's pretty much just her. Bye bye. Um so, you know, while she's been there, you know, these past few months have been plotting the route and of course doing the sex magic. And then also because she was nervous, she started on hypnosis and basically had this videotape that she would watch. And she said a man's voice came in and the tape would go into a colorful swirl and the voice would count from 10 to 1. Then I would wake up and the tape would be finished. I basically don't remember anything other than the countdown and waking up. So if that's true, who knows like what was being, what she was being hypnotized to do. Um, so on this particular day, October 1st, Heather drops her worker, co-workers off at Circus Circus. And when they came out, they're like, oh, she's not here. And they're like, Heather is just confused. She's being Heather and she can't remember where she's supposed to pick us up. So they walked to the Which back. Which would be offensive if she wasn't already living up to that. Yeah, no, I mean, but even... Either she's just really crafted her dumbbell thing, which is like would be really smart if she was in on it, just be like, I will set this up. So you guys just think I'm a, I'm a ditzy girl. I don't know what I'm doing. Ah, I'm yeah. so cute. Um, so they, but eventually they're like, huh, maybe Heather's not lost. I guess we have to call. Uh, but this took a while, right? Because they like had to go all the way through the casino. They had to like go back and forth and look for her. And then, so it kind of took a bit for them to figure out this had happened. Not a, not a ton of time, but in heist time, you yeah. know, she, she's, she's doing good. She's um, gone. She's she gone. gone. So she drove the truck to a warehouse Salise had rented. And when she got there, Salise made her change, uh, according to her, at gunpoint into the old lady attire. So she had a gun because she was, it was an armored vehicle. And he, she says that she took it from him, from her when she got there. And the way that it's portrayed in the, in the Netflix show, it is really scary because you think about it, like you just robbed $3 million. You're giving this criminal a gun that you have. And so why isn't he like... I'm really shocked he didn't just kill her and take the money, but I think he needed her to kind of get through, get through all this. Um, so they loaded all the money into shipping boxes. And so they put it into the trunk of a car. They start driving to the airport and on the way, Celise stops and ships the boxes off from just a, like a UPS store, wherever. Wow. Like, I'm sure it was a UPS, but yeah, there was, he, sh he shifts the boxes off. Was so Kinko's back then? It may have been a Kinko's. It, I hope it was a Kinko's. Uh, so they go pull up to the airport, to the airport and they're in a private, private charter jet. And the week before they had done a test run where Solis was the old person in the wheelchair and she was the one pushing them. So they were establishing this pattern of of like we service old people coming in and out of uh, Vegas. Uh, so they you know, they take her, you know, basically uh, she gets into a wheelchair, pretends to be sick, and they like put her onto the plane and they wheel her up, they get it, and they go to Denver. Uh, so eventually they you know when they interviewed people the pilots are like you know she got odd as a really old sick lady and then when we got to denver she just popped right up and was like ah. 
So they fly to Denver. Then from Denver, they take a train to St. Louis. They backtracked to New Orleans, and then they went to Miami. I think they were kind of split, and it, what I understand, I think she took a bus there. Um, in Miami is where they were reunited with their $3 million. Heather said that she, of course, rolled in it because she was like, I'm just throwing all this money out and rolling in it. But I also appreciate that she said that it hurt and it smelled bad. And so I kind of love Heather because it was like, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like, one of the things that sounds really great. And it's like, oh, it's going to be really uncomfortable, but you still have to do it. You still have to do it. And then you have to take a really long shower because- Money's dirty. Money is dirty. Even if it was the fresh ones, like this is the stuff they were pulling. I'm like, money is disgusting. Um, and so- during this time, Roberto also brought in another woman who could run errands for him and, you know, fuck him. Um, it does sound like Heather and him had an open relationship or he was just manipulating her to be like, it's cool. But, you know, monogamy is for suckers. I am an artist. I am a poet. I need all the vagina. Uh, so Rob, Roberto yeah, and- have another bitch to help fill, keep that chalice full because that's yeah, that chalice of menstrual bread is going to take a while to fill. Is that is it's your diva oh. cup? Oh, like, oh. <laughs> it's like why, why did I say that? that? Why did I say that? Like you know, you're just like opening me up for diva cup jokes. So, uh, Roberto oh. and this chick flew to Saint Martin, uh, Martine Martin. I don't know how you say that one. Um, and eventually, uh, you know, she follows them there. The cops did track them down to Miami, but by the time they got to Miami, they were already gone. Uh, so she she flies to St. Martin, and eventually the other chick leaves. Um, and this is when Heather found out that she was pregnant. So, yeah. Uh, so she's pregnant, and they end up getting fake passports to the Netherlands, which didn't have extradition at that time. I think it's changed. Um, and then, so in 1994, they're in Amsterdam, and she gives birth there. And in 1995, uh, she left Roberto. She said, I had enough of your poet-ass bullshit because and all the other women that you're fucking because there was another woman with him already and so you know he really didn't give up a fight she just let, she took eighteen thousand dollars and some jewelry with her so she has a new baby a fake passport in a foreign country seems like a bad like a bad setup there yeah so how has got to pay some bills and it's amsterdam so sex work uh yeah. she she becomes a sex worker um but, you know, eventually, you know, basically kind of learns the ropes, gets, gets in and out, got her um, her and her son new passports. They changed, So basically now they became Dylan and Donna with a British passport. So they have a, a British passport. Um, but there was a catch because those passports were only going to be good for 10 years. So there's already kind of like this countdown of when things are going to have to change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Heather tried to make the, her life as normal as possible uh, for her son, because that was her main goal, is I want to raise my son as normally as possible, but I'm a fugitive, right? She ends up meeting a normal dude and just was kind of living the mom's life. They never say who that guy is. We don't know if she's still with him, but in the in the Netflix thing, they're like, was like an instant family. Uh, so she's just living in Amsterdam. Beers keep rolling by. 1997, uh, she was elevated to the position of number three on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. That Ooh. makes her the highest ranked female on this list since it began in 1950. So she was just like the, the top woman on there. Wow. But, you know, eventually the 
being a fugitive is just you know, wearing on her. She's got this deadline. She's got this kid. So in 2005, she reached out to a lawyer in the States and she was like, I want to plan. I want to come back to the U.S. and I want to turn myself in. Uh, so basically, you know, she ends up flying from Amsterdam to L.A. in September of 2015 on her fake passport. And so they were really nervous because she had to go to Vegas to turn herself in. So if she yeah. got caught anywhere between Amsterdam and Las Vegas, then she would lose that leverage of surrendering. And oh. the, yeah. So she ends up flying to LA in the, in high, she has a very cute story about using Oasis as the reason that she was coming and a terrible English accent as she was talking to the passport guy about it. And of course she's really nervous. I think all of us have been nervous going through Passover control, but for the most part, those guys don't give a shit what you do. Um, so her lawyer meets her and they, I guess they drive to Las Vegas and she surrendered herself to authorities. Uh, she faced charges of embezzlement, bank fraud, bank robbery, false statements, interstate flight to avoid prosecution, and using a firearm for a violent crime, which is kind of weird when you think about it because she didn't really use it. It was it assigned to her for her job. Yeah. And it was just there. I mean, she didn't, I mean, uh, whatever. Which can matter. I've heard that matters. I mean, in commission of a yeah. crime, but like it just, it doesn't seem like that was part of the crime itself. So it's just weird. Yep. She ended up pleading guilty to one count of obtaining a false passport and to two counts of embezzlement. She received a prison sentence of five years and she was released in 2010. Uh, however, she was also ordered to try and repay the $3 million. So she is paying restitution on that $3 million for the rest of her life, unless she wins the lottery. What about douche canoe? Well, douche canoe. He gone. <laughs> nobody he disappeared into the wind uh she thinks he's dead right she's just like i don't know where he is i don't know where i don't know where he or the money is and if she does know she's not saying anything but basically she's like you know with his life probably dead like you can't live like, live like that um but you know one of the reasons that her sentence was so light because that was a very you know five years for yeah, three million dollar robbery not to mention that you know you let you fled uh but she just basically said you know blamed a lot of it on roberto and said you know i was really vulnerable he took advantage of me he used his sex magic and his hypnosis and that just he just overrode my judgment so yeah but she is her son i think just graduated college uh you know she got back in touch with her family um who had because she had a spoken to any of her family for yeah. the, the 12 years she was on the run so she shows up with like a child and is like hi i'm back in the states hi you know uh, hey, meet, meet, meet your new relative and i'm gonna go check into prison and i'll be yeah. seeing five seeing five yeah <laughs> years, not minutes years not minutes five years yeah so i mean yeah but it, it's it's an incredible story and she's kind of badass like, it seems so like yeah like because you sure you like any stories like that you're always like oh yeah right and no one gets away with that shit you know with modern technology and she really yeah. could have gotten away with it if she really wanted to she could have but the kid was no offense but like the kid was kind of the complicating factor there yeah 
if you hadn't had a kid, it probably would have been a completely different story. And even though it's like when you hear her talk, you know, she or hear the actress in her voice talk. Um, but you know, it's pretty much she was like, I'm sick of this bullshit. Because mm-hmm. you you always get sick of a poet. Sorry, guys. Like no one wants no one wants to deal with a poet. Y'all are fucking annoying. Um, but I mean. <laughs> I also like, I'm going to, you know, let's practice sex magic and write poetry. Fuck that. Like, it was like, no, like, you're going to get over that rule, especially if he's the only person you can see in like a foreign country. Oh my God. Like, I, I have a nightmare being like attached to a man like Roberto for the, like, oh my God. Oh, so anyway, then he probably is dead. I mean, just by age, yeah. I mean, 1969, I you know he was already an adult. So Right. I don't know. Fuck Roberto. I hope you died. I hope you died of something really painful. Like I hope like you got a splinter on like the bottom of your foot and it led to blood poisoning. Yeah. Yeah. And you just like had like a gangrenous and you had like gangrenous foot and then like fell off and you died from that. That's that's what I hope happened to Roberto. (sighs) Anyhow. All right. So we're back to the F we're going back to the other FBI. All right. So we've got our, our new FBI there. And there's a monster in that bank and you're like, Oh shit. Is this FBI on in on some shit? What the fuck is my first thought then. And we see, and Sam's still searching with a flashlight because remember the power's off in the banks. He's looking around for trying to figure, find the, um, the shifter. And then, uh, Dean's, um, down at the, the vault and, uh, the chick's like still like fawning over him but she's like i thought you were one of the good guys so she's not as fawning now because she thinks that dean's in on the whole thing and keeping them hostage well then the phone the the little bank phone rings that um where the fbi agents and police can contact them and it is the fbi agent and he knows who dean is um he said that he's been looking for him and sam calls them bonnie and clyde um and uh talks about hey we went there we went to Clyde's grave. Um, but basically said he knows about St. Louis, Baltimore, and d- their dad, um, and the desecrations. And but he yeah. kind of goes, he knows he sees that that dad is Dean's weak point, obviously, here and goes off like, yeah, ex-Marine, you know, has uh, you know, raised yeah, his he- sons on the road, and like just really like pushing buttons, like basically says that he was some kind of paramilitary, uh, whatever extremist at its you know, and he didn't know if it was white supremacy or Timothy McVeigh, but didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, he really did know the button to push. I'm like, oh, don't insult John. Like, and Dean, like, fl- like you can see, like, this thing flip. And I'm like, dude, Dean, like, just let it go. Calm let down. Go. He's pushing your buttons on purpose. Take a deep breath. Um, so uh, agent said, basically says, you got one hour until we come in to come out, get out. And then as soon as the agent hangs up, he tells the police five minutes go in. So they've already lied to the guys. So Dean thinks they have an hour to, fit, to sort this shit out when in reality... This agent sending his having the police go in in five minutes the police obviously actually disagree with this decision the sergeant's like no they just let a hostage out you said you're giving him an hour give him a minute like more than five minutes it's not right but this fbi agent thinks that the hostages are in danger and says that say that says basically that dean's the biggest threat to those um, hostages so um anyways that's the plan Sam finds some blood drops uh, outside of a closet and this is when um, a chick's body falls out and it's fucking Sherry's body. So now we know that the chick that's been fawning over Dean is now the shifter and so she's in the vault. And so they're basically going to let Cheryl out 
she was Sherry, Cheryl, her name tag says Cheryl, but she goes by Sherry. There we go. There um, we go. Yeah. And um, she's like, no, I'd rather stay. Like, cause that's not suspicious when I, someone's trying to release you from a hostage situation. So um, they, they try to get her to, uh, they lead her to the body that they found because they think that, so they've got a live Cheryl and show her this dead Cheryl, but she, a live Cheryl starts screaming hysterically and freaking out to the point where she faints because they're about to stab her. And they're like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Like, this isn't how a shifter would react. And just then the quote unquote dead Cheryl pops to life. It was the shifter being fucking shifty. Yeah, shifter being shifty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that, and this is not my note, this came from the Supernatural Wiki, but it's a very, a very acute observance. So we've got live Sherry and we got shifter Sherry. So shifter Sherry's in a slip. Yes. Live Sherry's in her dress. Yeah. Where that did is- the slip come from? I know. I was one, I was very confused because I was like, what kind of sense? But like, what did she like sneak that off of? real shit I, I don't know or maybe like, where did hey, it sure, come babe, from? can i have her slip like what the like did you just Very have bizarre. like was the shift like, well, like at first i didn't multiple question too layers much. of clothes like at first i didn't question it too much because i was like well obviously she doesn't have this sh- the she has the slip because it's the dead girl right we thought it was you know when we, before we knew it was the shifter so it made kind of sense okay the shifter stole the clothes well then it was the other way around it's like okay well it makes sense she just threw on a slip so to to give the guys the slip <laughs> ah! <laughs> that it was a um that that and that was the thing was that the real clothes had been taken so but you're right where the fuck did a shifter find a random slip in a bank where do you find a random slip at all like it's yeah. really hard to buy slips they're not as like, common as they used to be no they are not i was bought one this weekend when i was panic shopping but anyhow okay so we've got that live sherry shifter sherry and um shifter jerry's fighting yeah. dean now and kicks him in the face like a boss like she's taking dean's ass um i kind of appreciate shifter sherry uh so but he also this is all going on yeah. the, the swap breaks it into the bank yep so um swap breaks in um then we see that sherry gets let out so she's gone yes and, the real right real sherry has gets let out of the bank with a lot of the other um hostages and so then we see two SWAT guys who are going freeze on somebody and it's just a silhouette, but we're just assuming it's Sam. Right. And, um, but, and then there's an implication that he's going to be fight that he's ready to fight somebody. So uh, Shifter, Sher- Shifter Sherry is still fighting Dean. Her skin's peeling off a real fucking gross. It was very <laughs> disconcerting. I did not like that. And, yeah, she, kicks, and, so, and she kicks him in the dick. She oh kicks my, him in the oh nards. Yeah, I do have, but so is it going to make it less gross or more gross if I told you that her arm was covered in KY jelly? Mm, that's a good question. I don't know if that's more or less gross. <laughs> yeah, so they basically did do that. They, they kind of basically put it like an arm condom on her arm and like mm-hmm. basically like they looped her up and then put like a giant fake co- arm condom on her and then like that's what oh. peeled off. Gross. Yes. I don't, so like, it's fine to know. Like, oh, that's kind of cool. They did that. What I don't want is to feel that sensation of it, like, peeling off. It's going to make some very disturbing noises, but I'm going to refrain. Don't do it. Don't do it. So anyways, well, then um, 
So she kicks Dean in the nerds and Dean yeah. stabs her. Yeah, and so he stabs her and then we see SWAT walk in, of course. And it's like, well, fuck, because now it looks bad. Now Dean's Dean is over another dead girl as the law enforcement arrives. This is not the first time this has happened, as we know. It's not a good look, not a good look, Dean. And then we see the light shining on Dean's face. And I think we're all like, well, fuck. Like, yeah. screw oh, And it's shit. supernatural. They're going to prison. We're done. Yeah. This yeah. now becomes prison break. <laughs> but um, so SWAT starts finding more bodies and they're finding the bodies of like the um, the guy who the african-american teller who was a this was briefly the shifter and um and, and when they see the dead shifter sherry the swat's like i just walked her out she must have a twin or something so um the cop uh the cops get with the um the fbi agent and they're like yeah i think we know where your guys are but i think that you know whatever you know what happened to your guys and he's like what that's impossible we've seen this whole building come on and then they open a closet and there's two swat guys in their underwear, bound and gagged, stripped down. So and Sam so clearly won. He did not get Sam, Sam won arms. that fight, and so uh, we get Sticks Renegade starts playing. <laughs> if you like some your music note here, and you see two SWAT guys um, running out of the bank to the parking garage where Baby is parked, where they get in. And she needs and a bath. She she's, she's so dirty. dirty. And Dean says, "We are so screwed." And um, yeah, you are, but at least you have new SWAT outfits to add to your costumes. So into the, the wardrobe that is in baby's trunk somewhere, um, there's just, now you have a SWAT outfit in there. So now you have that and that's how the show ends. And yeah. So they get away, but they're fucked. I mean, this is not good. And it was kind of like, I mean, I know we talked about it a lot. And it was kind of like, I think the reason I like, I liked the episode because I liked Ronald. I don't like about the episode is that it leaves like, We've got like enough like we've got enough like ongoing story arcs do we really need them like really being like super hunted by the fbi right now too <laughs> like they're still morning dad sam might turn into something fucking evil and now they're being chased while they also continue to hunt monsters I'm like oh that sounds exhausting <laughs> that's a lot to deal with well i mean they can just go hole up somewhere let's yeah. go I mean, look, that chick went on the run for 12 years. Like, what, what are you going to do, Sam and Dean? Like, go to Amsterdam. But I, mean, I think, they, I think they, Dean suggested he, that he earlier. Just, he did. He did suggest Amsterdam. That was on his list. Yeah. Get, go smoke some pot and get some sex workers and, you know, enjoy yourself, Or not. Dean. Just go enjoy Europe and chill. Get some tulips. You know, whatever. Yeah, no. Dean would be in the red light district for sure. We know he would. Yes, obviously. It'd be weird if he wasn't. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, like I said, overall, like this episode had some good points, but it overall was just meh. Fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We love a Ronald. Except Ronalds. We like Ronald. Ronald's the winner. They killed him. I wish they just like adopted him as like this little sidekick, and he would go around them. Right. That's what I wanted. Or he would become a hunter, and then we just have this adorable Ronald hunting things. He didn't have to kill him, guys. You, you could have had another decision. But anyways, uh, on that note, anything else we have to say? Nope, that's all I got on this one. All right, and cheers, jerk. Cheers, bitch. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Devil's Trap Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Devil's Trap Podcast, Twitter, Devil's Trap Pod, 
or you can email us devilstrap at devilstrappodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and share it with all your friends. We're available at all your major podcast listening devices, or you can always find us at devilstrappodcast.com. Thanks. Devil's Trap Podcast is a Don't Be a Dick production. Meow. Intro music, arrangement and performance by Dave Cox. Piano arrangement and performance by Bobby Roscoe. Meow.